0: Unfound Live is brought to you by its supporters at Patreon and YouTube, along with its gracious advertisers. On this episode, I ponder the still-unsolved murder of Missy Beavers. I have a theory on the cow mutilations. I examine a gold heist, and I cover a bunch of other stuff, including is it easier to learn the piano or the guitar? I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for April 24th, 2023. everyone. Hello, 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 hello. Is anybody out there? This is the unfound live show for April 24th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well out there in YouTube land or wherever you may be listening or watching this. I'm doing good. Doing good, doing fine, been very busy. Uh, As I've posted in the discussion group and on the page and elsewhere, I've uh, got the newest found episode out for Patreon and YouTube supporters, going to talk about that in a little bit. Also have the newest episode of Unfound Now out for YouTube and Patreon supporters, so I've been working on that, talk about that in a little bit. So I've been busy. And then, of course, uh, the regular Friday episodes. We've got a big update episode that's coming out this Friday that I will talk about in more detail right before the show ends in about two hours. I am a very, very busy guy. And on top of that, I even found some time to play a little disc golf this weekend. And did not play actually too poorly. Um, two guys tied for first place. Uh, they shot three, both shot three throws uh, better than I did. Could I have done three throws better? Certainly. Really messed up basket number two and then could have maybe mixed in a made putt somewhere that would have added up to the three that I needed. So to be not too far away from at least tying for first uh, is pretty good, given that I haven't been practicing very much. Why? Because I've been very busy. So there you go. Uh, as you already saw in the title for this live show, if you, or if you looked at the description for this live show tonight, got a lot of interesting topics for you tonight. am going to talk to you uh, about UFOs, Going to talk to you about cattle mutilations. I mean, it's like you're listening to some conspiracy podcast or something, but I can assure you I'm going to bring a sense of, uh, of course, uh, maturity and level headedness and modesty to those topics. And maybe I'm going to surprise you with some of my insights into those uh, items. Uh, also, going to talk about a gold heist. At the Toronto airport, which is very interesting because I've been by the Toronto airport so many, so many, so many, so many times over my life when we've gone fishing to Canada. And I got a bunch of other stuff to talk about as well, but those are in the description. So uh, you should be looking forward to all of those items. Um, I think I've talked about UFOs before, but I don't think I've ever talked about cattle mutilations on this live show ever. And so I'm going to give you some insight, my personal insight. I'm not a farmer. I don't know anything about cattle. But I do know a little bit about crime. So there you go. Let's see who's in here, and then we'll move on to some other things. Hello, Valerie. Valerie gets in first. Charles comes in with the rock on signs. Hello, nephew Charles. Say hi to the boys for me. Fishing, what's going on? Gumshoe stories. How are you? Delane, Jasmine, Lisa, Delane says, I kept my head on a swivel the whole time, I promise you, but I was right near the Charlotte Motor Speedway, so I made it through. Uh, yeah, Delane messaged me, when was it yesterday, the day before, Delane, that you had to, uh, you were out there and uh, standing there by yourself, I think, outside somewhere, and you messaged me, and we were talking about keeping uh, your head on a swivel. Got to watch out. Don't end up like the drummer from Def Leppard that got uh, attacked out of nowhere uh, about a month ago uh, here in Florida. Hello, Katie. What's going on? Um, can't stay long. Four days in and out of the freight liner, beat me up. Wow, in a truck, okay. What's up, Derek? Uh, good to see you. Thank you for your support, you in the green uh, name, Derek. DLV, good evening and chat. Looking forward to hearing more about the Missy Beavers case. I'm gonna, that's another topic on the agenda. We just unfortunately passed the seventh anniversary of her murder not being solved. And I think it's been pretty much this, uh since 2017 that I've made it a point to talk about Missy Beavers um, maybe not 2017, because this did not start until October 2017. So 2018. I make it a point in April of every year to talk about it because it's such a unique murder, even though we don't do murders on Unfound. So, yes, I will be talking about that. Gumshoe says, good, man. How are you? I'm doing good, Gumshoe. Been spending a lot of time at home. My car, I think, uh, has been a little lonely. As I was, I think I told uh, the Think Tank last night, uh, I've been spending so many days in a row – you know, up here in my condo doing unfound work. Sometimes I forget where I've parked.
1: <laughs> when I
0: go down to the parking lot, which is on the ground floor, the building is on top of the parking lot. It's I, I forget where I've parked. That's how long you know how long I've been up here. So uh, there you go. But I want to remind all of you uh, now that we've uh, got everybody in, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more uh, people in the chat. Uh, before the night is over. I want to remind all of you to give this show a thumbs up and uh, do it right now on your phone, on your computer, on your laptop, on your tablet, on your iPad. However you are watching this, you see that little thumbs up there? Just hit it. All you have to do is hit it once. That's all you got to do. Also, if you're inclined to feel like supporting Unfound during this live show tonight, please hit the little rectangular button with the the dollar sign in it, and you can monetarily contribute. That's called the Super Chat. And you'll get this nice little pretty box over there in the chat, and everybody will see what you've done. And maybe you want to put a nice comment in there. Maybe you want to ask a question that will certainly catch my eye during the chat, uh, by contributing. Um, so maybe think about that. And I would appreciate that in the super chat. And as I always do, please think, uh, think about, or consider joining on patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. It helps us out quite a bit. Also paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. And then also the join button, Below this video, you can become a supporter there and get some things that other people don't get or they get them much later. So uh, let's move on. I think I'm going to start out. Where am I going to start this discussion? I got a lot of unfound stuff to talk about, but I have a lot of non-unfound stuff to talk about as well. So – Where, oh, where am I going to start? And I'm going to start actually kind of with some, it's an unfound story, but it comes from one of the unfound nows that I did last year, and that would be Heidi Plank. Do you remember her? In L.A., remember, she is the woman who was at her son's football game and she left early. She went back to her house. She was with her dog, and she got in her SUV, went downtown, and her vehicle was eventually found down there. And there was video of her walking her dog in downtown LA, and then eventually her dog was found on the 28th floor of a a sky, uh, you know, a high rise with condos and things in it. It, the dog was just wandering wandering by itself on the 28th floor, and Heidi is still missing. You might also remember that allegedly there was evidence that led police to a local landfill. They went over there, searched it, found nothing, at least nothing that the public um, knows about. So – um maybe that's ringing a bell for a lot of you by this time uh that once again wasn't unfound now this was a story that made it at least national news i mean if i know about in florida it made it national since it happened in california and i think it caught everybody's attention because of you know a combination of factors having the video knowing the so you know trying to figure out how did the dog end up on the 28th floor of this high rise and what's going on and we heard some stories about how, you know, it sounded like she might have been into drugs, sounded like she had some mental health issues. And then, on top of everything else, this business where she was an employee got in some trouble for fraud and, and a bunch of other things. A lot of things went into this story regarding the disappearance of Heidi Plank. And I remind you, she is still missing. Well, uh, and I am going to be talking about this. This will be in the update episode as well. But this is news that came out just within the last couple weeks that I ran across, and I wanted to talk about it here in the live show. But a couple outrageous stories. Now, you should know something before I get into this. It seems like this all started with the sun in the UK. And, you know, the sun is like, The British version of the National Enquirer. And in fact, uh, if you pay any attention to British media, you know, it certainly has a different tone to it than what you what are accepted in newspapers, in contrast to how we do reporting of news in the United States. Then The Guardian, which is really only as far as factual and everything, just a step above the sun. Kind of as, kind of as, run with this story as well. So I preface all of this by stating that no, it seems no American media site, whether local to LA or some national like Fox News or CNN, MSB, MSNBC or whatever, uh, Huffington Post, whatever, um, has picked up on this. But this is what they're talking about in England regarding the disappearance of Heidi Plank. So, it has to do with strippers. Of course, they're strippers. Gambling with cryptocurrency, and allegedly that she overdosed on Adderall that was laced with fentanyl. So, the story goes, and I'm going to try to pick this apart and... And this all uh, is allegedly come from somebody who has been termed, in both articles, "quote unquote," an internet sleuth, who allegedly interviewed somebody who was at this party. All right, but I'm going to you know, you know, tear this all apart, you know, like I do when I hear stories like this. So the story is that Heidi Plank went down to this to this high-rise to the 40th floor with her dog because this is where her dealer was, where she would get her drugs, and she went up to this floor, and it just so happened that there was this huge party going on. All these people, like some rave, even though like it was still daylight out, and I forget what day of the week it was, but allegedly she showed up on the 40th floor And there was this party going on. There were all sorts of strippers there. They were gambling. They were doing gambling with cryptocurrency. I don't know what kind of gambling this would have been. Uh, Did they have roulette wheels? Were they playing Texas Hold'em? I don't know. Did they bring in slot machines? It's all very vague. But this is the story. And there, of course, were drugs there. Of course there were. And what happened was that she was there with her dog, and she got these drugs, and she was out there on the dance floor um, and took one of these Adderalls that was laced with fentanyl. She collapsed on the floor and died, and then everybody just vamoosed, as they say, took off. And what happened was that the way that they got her out of here, out of there, was that they took her body, took it over to the trash chute. And I, I'm very familiar with trash chutes because I live in a 20-story building. This is at least – this. I guess this building was like twice as high as the one I live in. Is we have 20 floors, technically 19 floors because we don't have a level 13. You know, everybody's – superstitious. That's true. This building does not have a 13th floor, but so that building's twice as high as the one I live in, but I am familiar with trash chutes because there's a trash chute within six or seven steps from my front door where if I have trash, you know, I don't have to take it the whole way to the bottom. I just go over there and open up the door and it slides down there. Allegedly, they took her over to this trash chute and threw her body into it. But then what happened, allegedly, was that she got stuck on the way down. And so they had to go down to whatever floor and, like, push her or something the rest of the way. And the way you read the article, it sounds like she actually got stuck on the eighth floor, and that is how her dog ended up on the 28th floor. The party's on the 40th floor. The dog ended up on the 28th floor, and allegedly that is where she got stuck, and then they had to push her the rest of the way, and she ends up in this trash bin, and that's eventually why the police uh, eventually went to this this, uh, dump or whatever it was and tried to look for her. Of course, did not find her. This is the story. Now keep in mind nobody is um no names are mentioned. This all comes from allegedly some internet sleuth who talked to a party goer there. It doesn't seem there's any like there's any video of this at all, but this is the story. And like I said, if you just google this, you will find uh the story and you can read it for yourself. Both stories are fairly long. Uh, i would say that i'm hitting the most important points my my opinion and then of course it's very sad uh her son you know done with this football game texting her hey where are you you know he'd had this great play and everything you know it's very sad very sad i feel horrible for this uh her son horrible but there's a lot about this story that doesn't make any sense to me, and it really questions if any of this is true. I can certainly believe that she was in this high-rise, but we have to think about some things. Now, there's a story that when it was recognized that she was missing and you know the video came out and they went into this building, the investigators, they allegedly went up to the 40th floor and found – uh you know something evidence that this happened now the first question i ask is okay so they figured out that they needed to throw her down the trash bin but they didn't clean up after themselves you know if you overdose i guess there might be bleeding or maybe throwing up or whatever else that i guess must have left her dna or something there so they can get rid of her body but nobody stuck around to even try to do anything like that. That seems highly suspect to me. In addition, there's this huge party, and we don't have any names about any of this. I mean, you know, if it's the strippers and cryptocurrency gambling and something or something, I'm guessing there's 20 or 30 people there. You know, what about all the other people who live in this building? In addition, you know, I know, once again, using a trash chute just about every day for the last four years, because I will be honest, what I do with my trash is that, being that the trash chute is so close, I don't have any wastebaskets in my place. If I want to throw something out, I just open the front door, go to the chute, and throw it down the chute. I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I do it anyway. But… Being that I have experienced using a trash chute for, like, the first last four years, I'll have been living in this place uh, four years come May 1st. How would they even know if they threw her down the the chute that she got stuck somewhere? I can't figure that out. What did they do? Have somebody, like, waiting at the bottom? (laughs) You know, at the chute bottom? You know, you throw her down, and I'll be watching for her. Do we really think that that happened? I mean, if that's the case. Why not just carry her down there? If somebody's going to go down to make sure that she makes it down the whole way, they can't figure out some way just to carry her down there and kind of cover it up. It seems a little outrageous. In addition, what are the odds that they would actually then go floor, floor to floor to floor to floor to floor to floor to floor looking for where she got stuck all at least 40 floors? That sounds like a lot of time. That sounds like a lot of work. Especially when you know that it's a dead body and you don't want to be connected to it (laughs) in any shape or fashion, of course. I will tell you, even though, like I said, the sun is not a reliable source. The Guardian comes and goes, at least my experience. They're very tabloidish, especially the sun. I will tell you, I don't believe any of this. I believe that she was in the building, but everything after that is just I don't I just don't believe any of it. And then on top of everything else, they just let the dog there. I'm not asking you know, we're all sensitive about animals. Don't kill the dog. And even I know that in my presentations that I've done for uh students, like when I talk about the disappearance of Eric Alvarado, when I talk about how. His dogs got hit by cars and died. That always gets a reaction. Well, way more than talking about the people who have gone missing. Every time it's the same way. As soon as I mentioned that dogs got killed, you can hear the mur- you can hear the gasps and the awes and everything in the uh, <laughs> in in the in the student crowd. Whereas you just talk, when you talk about the humans who went gone missing, and leave. Children, everything behind you don't quite get the same reaction. I guess that's just how we humans are. But so, but they just left the dog there as a huge red flag that she was in the building. Really? So they can throw her down the trash chute, but they can't bring the dog down to the, you know, just let it run on the streets or something. And they can't clean up after themselves and everything else. It really uh, challenges my imagination regarding all of this. Still, you can go read it for yourself. Just do a Google for Heidi Plank and you will uh, see what I'm talking about. It all seems very, very extravagant. Uh, you know, all this stuff about tri- uh, cryptocurrency and strippers and everything. It just sounds like somebody's figment of imagination as if they're watching like one of the John Wick movies or something. That's what it sounds like to me. Somebody's vivid imagination. I'm not saying this stuff doesn't go on. Strippers exist. Cryptocurrency exists. I'd recommend anybody who cares about their finances to stay away from all of it. Bitcoin and all of it. I would not venture into any of that at all. Just my personal financial 101 advice. I know this all goes on. But are we really saying that a, a, a suburban – uh woman with her dog showed up at one of these parties it just sounds a little outrageous it really does now you may be asked but ed well then what do you think happened here's what i think happened to her um it's obvious to me that there was something going on with heidi plank whether it had to do with drugs or not there was something not right with her head very sad Very, very sad. Uh, I've convinced myself she went down to that building all by herself and threw herself down that trash chute. And that's how she ended up and didn't get stuck or anything else. She went up there because you have to remember reading about her. There was something about her and roof roofs or roofs, roofs or roofs and, you know, going out on balconies and things like that. There was something having to do. That she liked doing that for some reason. This then makes sense to me. There was something about heights and her condition. I think I think she went up to that 28th floor or whatever floor all on her own with her dog and then threw herself down the chute. Now, I will tell you though, of course, trash chutes can vary in size from building to building to building. You know, I realize that she's a woman. It doesn't seem to me that she was overweight in any way, so it does make it more possible that she could fit in a trash chute. But I will tell you, in the trash chute that we have in this building, she would have a very difficult time. This trash chute uh, that we have, the door is not much – the door is square, and it's not much wider than this computer – not the screen, but the computer itself, this MacBook that I'm using – The door is not much wider than that. It's square. You would, you know. But I don't know what the trash chute looks like in the building. It very well may be larger because it's a larger building. And I I suppose there are a lot of different reasons the chute could be bigger. So that's in my mind as well. I'm at least open to the idea. Maybe she didn't go into the chute. But. I think that she just was totally delusional and went and did this all on her own. I also have another question that doesn't make any sense to me. So she goes to this party. There's all these people there. There are drugs there, and she's the only one that happens to take the fentanyl-laced Adderall. Somehow everybody else was just staying away from the drugs. Nobody else overdosed because I haven't heard of anybody else going missing around that time. That also challenges my imagination a little bit. If there were, there was fentanyl that was in the drugs. They were at this party. She's the only one that died. I don't know how this stuff gets published. I really, really, really don't. But this, I think, gives you an idea of. How I look at disappearances when I'm reading about them the first time. All you know, all these wheels in my head start turning. Whether it's whether I'm reading just a regular n- news story about a new disappearance or I'm reading a disappearance for the first time in the Charlie Project. Like today, I took about an hour to look at some new disappearances, thinking about reaching out to certain people. And already as I'm reading the details and the circumstances and a little about the person already, the wheels you know are already turning well this is what it sounds like in my head when these things are going on i start to really try to think of these things in you know somewhat logical terms and none of this story about heidi plank makes sense uh at all to me i think this is somebody's vivid imagination uh you know whether this internet sleuth exists or not this could just be in somebody's head this very well could have been just in the re- reporter's head, some writer's head over in the UK, and decided I'm going to write a story. I'm going to claim that the source is some internet sleuth who I'm not going to name, and I'm going to say the internet sleuth somehow figured out how to track down one of the partygoers, or one of the strippers, the DJ, or whoever else. And I'm just going to put this story together because I just need to get something written today because if I don't, I'm going to get fired. This is what it sounds like to me. So what is everybody? Uh, hello, uh, Stitching. What's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. I'm doing good, Stitching, just talking about this disappearance of Heidi Plank from last year. Rockford says, I don't believe it either. Yes, you have the Phoebe Hansen case in Australia. Okay, fair. But this story about Heidi sounds more like an It's Always Sunny episode than anything in real life. Uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'd never watched it. Charles, indeed, a football mom at a stripper drug party while her son is at the Big game sounds pretty unlikely. I mean, she was a piece of work, Charles. I mean, there's no de- denying that. But, you know, it just gets, it, it just is really challenges my emotion. It's just too many leaps for me. Delane, I just wish she'd have left the jog at home, but you never know when a mix-up mine is going to snap. That's right. Carry the shoot. The shoot we have, the shoot we have at work doesn't go down but across a linebacker can fit in it. We all have kinds of signs on them to not enter them for any reason. All right, so like I said, different uh, buildings have different size trash chutes. Angelic, thank you for becoming a member of this channel. Thank you so much, Angelic Darkness. That's what Angelic has done with that green box. She's become a member, so she's going to be getting some stuff that the rest of you aren't, or she's going to get some things early. So why don't you just do what Angelic has done? Hit the join button below. Delane Adderall and Fentanyl mixed sounds too counterintuitive to what each drug is designed to do. Rockford, true, Delane. Same goes for vodka and iced tea, and that drink is pretty awesome. I'll take your word for it, Rockford. K Klein, a female student, died at Penn State by falling down a trash chute. So it's not totally uncommon. There you go. Thank you, K Klein. I think I remember that. Carrie, uh, shoot. That's all right, Carrie. Charles Fentanyl makes it a into a lot of powder drugs like coke. Yep. Yeah, and it's way more dangerous than, them, than all of them. Uh, thank you, Angelic. You're very kind. Thank you so much. Thank you for becoming a member. So um, you will hear this all again on Friday for the update episode because this is an update. Uh, I can't avoid talking about it. And, of course, I will cover it in the same way, sounding very doubtful. But it is news. It just came out within the last couple of weeks right here in April of 2023. So you maybe want to check that out. Um, just maybe for some, you know, some, you know, it's not funny. She's missing. She's obviously deceased. It's sad. You have a son who's missing his mother. He doesn't care if she had a drug problem. He doesn't care if she was had some sort of mental illness and everything else and it's just horrible that there are so many media sites out that that will do something like this and and write stories like this you know and i i think that you've heard me over the years i am very critical you know i'm in media i i am a reporter that's what i am and you've heard me more than once be very critical of my fellow media types and how they handle information—just sometimes, seemingly making stuff out of uh, out of thin air—and I still continue to think of that line from the the movie Network: "They'll tell you any crap you want to hear." Um. So there you go. Heidi Plank still missing. You know they've already gone and looked in this uh, landfill once. Will they go again? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, how much stuff has been piled on top of that section where she might be since then? It, the search only gets harder now. You have to dig even you know, farther down. So uh, very sad. This is one of those where you might have to be open to the idea that she'll never be found. Just, But just because she's not found does not mean all of the stuff that was written in this son and this guardian story happened. I mean, all of that is crazy. And um, I'm pretty sure these reporters know that, but they decide to write the articles anyway. It's horrible. Moving on. Um, Where do I want to go next? Dominic Holly Grisham. This will be another one that makes it into the update episode, but this is, once again, recent news just as of today. Uh, There is a huge article – that really is formed around Dominic Holly's Grisham's disappearance. You will remember that he went missing from Rochester, New York, uh, to go over the circumstances. He had had a hockey game that day. I think it was a Thursday. And then it was also there was going to be a birthday celebration for him. His mother um, went out to get some things for the party. And while she was gone, he was home with, I think, Another family member, like maybe a brother and a cousin or something like that. And he got a phone call and he left the house never to be seen again. And that was some years ago. That's over 10 years ago now. I have put forth the theory that had something to do with the girl that he had broken up with the day before. Because he had said something about her, some things online. And I'm just wondering. Wondering if he got lured somewhere because of that. That is still – that is what I thought at the time. That is well, what I still think to this day. Maybe you've forgotten. I actually got to talk to this uh, young woman. Must have been in 2018 um, on Super Bowl Sunday is when I got to talk to her. I remember like it was yesterday, which is weird because the very next year I had another very interesting talk with somebody about a disappearance that I just covered on that Super Bowl Sunday too. I don't know, I don't know what it's all that about. But uh and the more you know and I spoke to her, I don't even remember, it wasn't very long, 15 minutes at the most. And I remember coming away from the phone call thinking, yeah, she knows exactly what happened here. She wasn't rude or anything. She wasn't nasty to me or anything, but her lack of interest, her lack of sympathy, her lack, her lack, her lack of anything um was uh, was enough but there is now at usa today.com a huge article about dominique's disappearance talks about a lot of different aspects of disappearance including you know, minorities and the problems with investigations now you should know something i was actually interviewed um for that article, but you will not find my name or Unfound's name in the article at all. Why that is, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not really upset about it, but a USA intern had um, called me some months ago now, a couple months. I think I even mentioned it on a live show. And we had a good conversation uh, about a half hour about Dominique's disappearance, but you know, and reading really the article, I don't know if they really took anything from what I said or not. And in some case, I might even say some of the things. Maybe I forgot what I said. I know we talk about Dominique's disappearance and everything, but you can find a lot of that information anywhere. But unfortunately, my name unfound. The podcast is not mentioned anywhere. Uh, it seems like they had more than enough uh, information. It is a long, long article. So um, – and I think I did post it in the discussion group on Facebook if you want to check it out, or you can just go to USA.com today uh, and uh, do a search. Just do a search for Dominic Colley Grisham, and you will find it. Uh, but it's good that he's getting some attention. I certainly do believe this is a murder. I certainly do believe that this is still solvable. Certainly uh there is very a very clear cut i think theory and no really other theory needs to be uh you know examined i think that he got called and i think that i'm just going to say i think she called him hey come meet me down the street he goes down there something happens very common very very common very sad but they set this young man up. Uh, and whether you read, you know, reading the article, you'll have to judge for yourself whether you get a, a feel for that or not. But go check that out, please. Dominic Holly Grisham, USA com, very long article about his disappearance. I think they mentioned a couple other disappearances in there, but it just talks about all aspects of. Disappearances. Uh, obviously it's an article that they worked on for a, a long time being i mean i know because i talked to the the, the person who was interning there like a couple months ago now this had to have been in maybe even january that i spoke to right i'd have to go back and check so check it out um yeah the rockford says the super bowl sunday comes up in true crime it's a rule that someone must mention david glenn lewis and today i'm not someone yeah that's that uh, and in fact, Heather Grotman um, wrote about his disappearance and then reappearance. Unfortunately, he was deceased in her blog, Rockford, if you don't know. Uh, of course, r- most recent guest this past Friday, she wrote about uh, his disappearance and reappearance, uh, getting hit by a car in her Lost and Found lostandfoundblogs.com. Rockford, we might also think about. The disappearance of – what is her name? Abby Martin? Is that what it was? Abby – somebody's going to go look this up for me. But the woman who disappeared, I think it was in – what was it? Massachusetts or Connecticut? On Super Bowl Sunday a few years ago, she was having people over to her house for a Super Bowl party. And they were bringing things, of course, and she was doing a little cooking. And they were supposed to be over at a certain time, and she had talked to her son on the phone, and she said, hey, I'm going to go for a walk before everybody shows up. The people show up at her house. She's not there, never to be seen again. So Rockford, that happened on a Super Bowl Sunday uh, as well if you want to look that up. Once again, I'm thinking – I wasn't familiar with Heather before now, but I'm going to check out all her articles. I can't remember the party's host name, but yes, it was in New England. I do remember the story, yeah, Rockford, that's what it is. Um, yeah, Rockford, I think you would you're you, now that you have something else besides listening to Unfound, I know you're trying to catch up on all the episodes. Like Morty is, uh, but Heather's uh, her articles, you got to read them. There's 33 of them. They're all excellent. Uh, they're all excellent and that's why she's been on Unfound for now a fifth time. Let me just uh look that up. For a moment, Mary Abby Flynn, who went missing on Super Bowl Sunday 2020 from Gloucester, Massachusetts. She said she told her son, yeah, I'm going to go for a walk, which is something she she um, commonly did. And she was never seen again. People showed up. She's not there. So obviously they recognize the recognition that uh, sh- she was missing quite quickly. Searches all over the place. Now of course there's some body, uh, some bodies of water nearby, including the Atlantic Ocean. But I mean, what are, really? What are we talking about here? She goes for a walk and goes into the ocean. It's hard to imagine being that she knows people are coming over. It's all, you know, maybe it's very much like. I mean, as I I will even say that. Um, in many, many ways, it does remind me of the disappearance we just covered, Treveline Evans, same kind of thing. So, uh, that's what I was thinking of, uh, Abby, uh, Mary Abby Flynn is also a Super Bowl Sunday, February 2nd, 2020, Massachusetts. And a few women in her age range missing under peculiar circumstances. Thank you. Angelic Rockford. There we go. Yep. I recall that's a strong suspicion of a slip and fall could be rockford it's just a big question if she was just walking along the uh you know the roads there even some maybe some well-known paths or even down by the ocean i mean where'd she go i mean it's just hard to tell Hey, that's why we do this you know these some of these things are just unexplainable and that's what keeps us interested in that's why we try to learn so much so another uh super bowl sunday so uh, let me move back to the Unfound Live. Okay, speaking of Treveline Emmons, moving on. Uh, put the poll up. And uh, probably nobody's surprised that virtually everybody believes uh, that she was murdered um, in the discussion group. Gave like murder, suicide, accident, started a new life. Virtually everybody picked that Treveline Evans was murdered right there in Langothlin. Doesn't look like Langothlin, but that's how you pronounce it. Wales. Back in 1990. I will tell you the think tank, which uh, once again, if you want to be a part of the think tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Much more of a mixed, uh, an array of possibilities of what people thought happened to her and then for me i will tell you that i do not believe that she was murdered Um, as i gave as an example if if it wasn't treveline evans if it was trevor evans who had a business who left his wallet on the counter and seemingly was seen walking off nobody would think that he got abducted or was murdered you know, that's, and I realize there are different percentages when it comes to disappearances. Women are much more likely to be abducted. Men are more, much more likely to commit suicide and walk off. The, the statistics are very clear. Still, I think we have to put that in our calculations that if Treveline was a man and everything was still the same, I don't think anybody would think that a guy got abducted. So that's just seemed to me that Treveline evans had a lot going on just to be honest with you and uh, we don't know how where her store was doing we don't know what you know she, her her uh, father was not in good uh shape health wise you know a lot of things put together that's the way i look at it but if it you know if it was all straightforward it would have been solved by now one way or the other i i will tell you that uh One of the think tank members even put forward the idea that possibly Trevelyne's brother was responsible for her disappearance. Why? Because what are the odds that she disappears just when he happens to be in from Switzerland? On top of the fact that if it was believed that the father was going to be dying soon, could there have been some argument over uh, money or possessions and inheritance? And We know – I don't personally know how those things go, but we know how those things do go sometimes. Very, very ugly. Very ugly. So a think tank member put that uh, idea forward. It's interesting. I'm not sure I agree with it, but it's certainly something to think about considering. What are the odds that he's there and then she goes missing? Something to think about. But for the most part, I'm going to guess that a large part of the audience does believe that she was murdered. She got lured somewhere due to antiques, or maybe she did have a lover, something like that. Another boyfriend had a guy on the side or something, uh, and that is what happened. The sign was two minutes, but she really didn't mean it, and it all ended up adding up. These things happen. Uh, I'm not saying I necessarily believe in to do it, but I certainly can understand all the people who think that. Um, so there was the Treveline Evans poll. Now what I want to do is I want to answer this question from MT. I don't know if MT's in here or not, but MT had sent me this question after last week's live show. And I told MT, well, Uh, send it to me again, remind me to answer it next week. So next week is today, and MT did send me an email saying, hey, remember, you got to answer my question. And I I was like, thank you, I love it. So uh, this is the question that MT uh, sent me, and and it's a good one. And I don't think that I've ever been asked, even though I just did this Q&A episode a few weeks ago, I don't know if I've ever been asked uh, this question in any of the live shows or Q&A episodes. MT asks, you have mentioned that you play both the piano and guitar. My question is if either one was easier to learn, also do you play any other instruments? Well, MT, I have to explain some things here. First of all, when it comes to playing the piano, um, <laughs> I joke about it now, but it was kind of true. And that is I had no choice. Uh, My mother was a piano teacher. In fact, my mother was a music major. Uh, She graduated with a degree in music and got her master's in music from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, which is a very kind of well-known music school. Now, you should know, funnily enough, funny enough, that my mother's instrument was actually the trumpet. But that's not what she ended up teaching. She ended up teaching the piano, and she started doing that right around the time that my mother and father adopted me. To remind all of you, I was adopted because what had happened, she was a teacher, and when they decided they were going to adopt a child, they made the decision, my dad's going to uh, continue to you know further his teaching career. And my mother uh, decided she was going to start teaching piano out of the house. And that's what she did from the early 70s until virtually my parents moved to Renfrew, Pennsylvania in like 2004. So over 30 years, she taught piano. That was her income. And so when I was five years old, uh, you know, she sat me down in front of the piano, and I had no choice. <laughs> And I can tell you, she and I had some battles. Uh, My dad, once in a while, still brings it up. You know, I'd be practicing and then I'd have my, you know, what we call my lesson with her every week. And I didn't like to practice. I liked to play. I liked to perform. I didn't like to practice. And my mother's sweetest woman in the world, but she was tough as nails. I don't know how many people realized that. She was rough, rough teacher. And but the truth is, I became a very, very, very good piano player. Even though I would not say that um, I was naturally inclined to it, um, I think it was just a matter of practicing an hour and a half every day from, you know, I was five years old until I graduated high school. That's why I was good. Um, You know, along the way, I ran into other piano players who were truly, um, you know, much what I would say more naturally inclined toward playing an instrument or just – you just can tell. But still, I was very, very, very good to the point when I went to college at Grove City College, even though I was not a music major – I performed in some talent shows and won them, even though I was not the music major. Here I am playing the piano, going against, you know, other people doing all sorts of things, singing other instruments and everything else, and I'm beating them, and I'm not even a music major. That's how good I was. Um, so I'm MT, I have to put the answer in that context. That is not the whereas the guitar you know i feel along with it i can play scales i can play chords and things and i got into the guitar because uh the music that i like is like is very guitar heavy um and that was always very frustrating to me back in the day like in the 1980s once again very guitar uh guitar driven music of the 1980s hair bands heavy metal You know, even the even the police in Rush and all. You know, they have guitars too, and I didn't know how to play one, so I just decided somewhere. You know, I'm going to at least get familiar with this instrument. But so I'm still to this day a much better piano player than I am guitar player, and that's the way it will always be. Even though I really don't, even though I have a keyboard right over there, I don't play it a lot. But trust me, I'm still always going to be a way, way, way better piano player than guitar. Now, having said all that, knowing the, the piano like I have for as many years certainly has given me an advantage in understanding the guitar. Understanding scales, understanding chords, You know, being able to visualize a piano keyboard and then being able to translate that. Into guitar with the strings, you know, and everything, and where the where the notes are on the string and everything. Being able to see that in your mind and put it into another inst- another instrument is very helpful. Very very helpful. Um. But as far as which one is easier to learn, it all depends on what you're going to do. Um. You know, I was playing classical music on the piano. That's really all I like to play. My teacher that I had after my mother, Bobby Cardillo in Pittsburgh, you know, he tried to get me into jazz and things. I just was not feeling that. Uh, Which is funny because a lot of the music I like today is really based on jazz. Metallica or Megadeth and a lot of these other bands, they're basically, I know this is going to sound so weird. They're basically blues jazz, jazz bands. I know that sounds crazy. But that's what they are. But when it came to the piano, I just like to play classical music. Give me some Chopin. Give me some Liszt. Give me some Beethoven. Give me, you know, the the runs up and down the key, you know, the keyboard and hands crossing over each other. Loved it. Loved it. Um, but it's because I had a mother who just would not let her son fail. So um when it comes to the guitar it's just you know it's just something that I decided to get I got an acoustic guitar in about 2010 and the electric guitar I have now uh which is a strat it, it it's uh it's not a Fender it's a Squire uh, but I have a headphones and I have an amplifier and everything and I sit down once in a while and just mess around it just makes me feel good and that is one thing about the piano. There much of my life when I was practicing and everything, unless I was performing, it didn't make me feel too good. I hated practicing. Even though I knew you had to practice to play well. Because I love performing. I love the applause. I love getting out there and and showing off and everything. But as with most kids, teenagers, you don't like to practice. You love, you love the attention you're gonna get from something. But, you know, that, you know, your brain's not fully formed. You don't, you know, one doesn't equate to the other. And I think that's one of the reasons that from like when I started until I was in eighth grade, my mother and I fought about the piano almost on a daily basis uh, until they, it it got to the point where my dad was like, you know what, we're just going to have to get (laughs) a new teacher because this is getting crazy. And so that's when I ended up taking from Bobby Cardillo down in Stanton Heights. And he was a great guy, great teacher. He's dead now. Um, Have nothing but good things to say about him. And he and I had a totally different kind of relationship. We never fought. He knew what he was talking about. And um, so, uh, but one is easier to learn. It just depends what you want to do with it, MT. Uh, If you want to get to the level that I played on the piano, then it's very, very difficult. Whereas like on the guitar... I never have any aspirations of playing classical t- guitar. You have to remember that most rock songs are just chords, and then the guitarist gets to show off a little bit in the middle of the song. Otherwise, the songs are pretty easy. have to remember that. It's the guitar solos that last 30 seconds to a minute that are difficult. Everything else, the chords, you can kind of hammer them out. You know... Pretty quickly, you know, if you really, really want to get them right. So, but I don't play any other instruments other than those tube. However, um, uh, I have been taking singing lessons, and I'm here to tell you: since I started taking these singing lessons online about a couple months ago, my singing voice has gotten way better. My my uh, endurance has uh, increased. My range has increased. And so uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that, and I hope to appear at a local karaoke uh, event here very soon, singing some uh, of my favorite songs. Although I can't sing any like Iron Maiden songs yet, or um, what other you know what other you know groups have songs. You know, I can't sing like "Photograph" by Def Leppard yet. But there are some other songs that I really like that are really challenging that I can sing now that, that surely most men cannot. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm going to keep work, working at it. I hope to get to the point where I can sing some. Maybe I will show up at karaoke and crank out some Def Leopard or some uh, Judas Priest or some Iron Maiden or Queen's Reich. You never can tell. that's how hard I'm working on this when I have the time I spend a lot of time at home. That's why. Uh, let's see what side I talk to. There's your answer, MT. Uh, is, You know, it just depends what you want to do with either instrument. I can't say which one's easier to learn. It just depends what you're going to want to do with it. If you want to just plink around on the piano, that's very easy. If you want to play Beethoven, it's very difficult. If you just want to play guitars for some heavy metal songs, it's very easy. If you want to do the, all the uh, solos and everything. It's probably going to take some time. It just depends. Um, Angelic, that rocks. Metal and hairband's my thing. Looking back, do you think playing piano helped you in any way? Um, uh, la, 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 did it help me in any way? It sure made me more visible to women, Angelic, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I just... I love, you know, the performing side of it. I think it's not a mistake that why I was in drama club, why I was in Star Trek, doing this live show and everything else, doing the podcast. There's a part of me that's very comfortable with that. So, uh it certainly helps being able to do that, I think helps in the long term like public speaking and things like that, for sure. Rockford, now wait a minute. In the beginning of the Evans episode, you revealed you're a big Spice Girls fan too. No fair leaving them out. I did not say that I was a big Spice Girls fan. All I said, Rockford, that's not skew things, is that I knew that one of the Spice Girls' last names was Hollywell. That's all I said. All right, now let's not get crazy now. The thing is, I am very knowledgeable about music from about 1965 until about 2010. Really listen to a lot of music over the years, all different kinds. And so when it comes to music, like a trivia and everything, I do pretty good. Now, anything since 2010, I've stopped listening, but, uh, and that goes for a wide range of, uh, all disco, R and B, hip hop, heavy metal, easy listening. It doesn't matter. John Denver, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, Iron Maiden, the Bee Gees, Rihanna. You know, I know a lot about a lot of that music for some reason. Okay, moving on. Let's get to the cow mutilations. Of course, let's get to that. Let's go right from music to cow mutilations. Here's the story. No signs of struggle, no blood spills, and no noticeable tracks. Authorities in Texas have little to go on in their investigation after six cattle were found dead in three separate counties, all with their tongues missing. The Madison County Sheriff's Office posted about the cattle, cattle on social media Wednesday. The first instance was reported after a rancher found a six-year-old longhorn cross, longhorn cross cow dead and mutilated in Madison County. The cow was found lying on, on its side, its tongue and the hide around its mouth completely removed, and no blood was spilled. There were also no signs of a struggle. The grass around the cow was undisturbed when it was found, and there were no footprints or tire tracks. Ranches also reported that no predators or birds would scavenge the remains of the cow, leaving it to decay untouched for several weeks. As authorities were investigating this mysterious cow's death, five other instances were reported in two other counties, Brazos and Robertson. Four adult cows and one yearling were found dead, all in different locations, pastures, and herds. All the cows were found lying on their sides as well, with precise cuts along their jawlines and their tongues missing, deputy said. There were also cuts made along two of the five cows' genitalia. Again, there were no signs of a struggle, undisturbed grass, and no blood spilled. The cause of death for all six cows is still unknown. Multiple similar incidents have been reported across the United States. When we are actively coordinating with other ind- agencies to find answers. Anyone with information on these incidents or if someone witnesses a similar circumstance, is urged to come c- to contact Investigator Foster at 936-348-2755 during business hours. All right. This is surely the first time we've ever talked about cow mutilations uh, it, on the live show. Let's see where it was. Uh, couldn't resist that one. I know you could. I just something. Uh, um, uh, Angelic says, Sorry, music not the same breakaway. Yes, these cattle mutilations are blowing my mind, Katie. And this is why I don't like people. People that hurt animals are so dang horrible. Humans make me sick how they treat animals. Uh, this is Linda Moulton Howe territory expertise. LA says, Doesn't seem like a human could do it, but I know that it sounds crazy to think otherwise. Well, I'm gonna put. theory out there now i realize the commutations in the united states have a long history Uh, a lot of conspiracy theories around them uh in fact i even took time to go to wikipedia and read about uh how this all gets started seemed like it kind of popped up like in the late 60s and then in the 70s it really got going and then you know the government and ufos and black helicopters  … … and all of these things, and it seemed to have died down for a little bit, and perceptually, and we know how the media blows things out of portion, now we have this. And like I said, I've read a lot, and in fact, it even says that if you want to, anybody can have access to the FBI's files regarding all the investigations… Uh, regarding cow mutilations you don't i don't think you even have to file for it there's somewhere online where you can just go there and look at all the investigations that they did i have not done that but i read that in one of the articles that i read not in this one of course but something i was reading about that it says you can do that they're very very open um of course usually you have to file for that stuff but the information's out there if you want to read it we know how unusual that is for the fbi I have a totally different spin on this. Uh, Rockford, my theory is that it's because a lot of people like beef lingua have at it. Not my thing, but is a thing that doesn't remotely condone these acts of cruelty, I'm going to, and this is a totally, now I'm not saying any, nobody else has thought of this, but I haven't read this anywhere, but I did run it by my assistant. Shree, Shree could not be here tonight. Uh, it was her son or daughter's birthday, so she's out having a great time. So she was excused for moderating tonight. That's why you don't see her in the chat. Um, but I ran this theory by Sheree just to make sure I wasn't crazy because Sheree is the usually the person I run these things by. I'll text her, and we'll talk about something, and she does the same for me. I think that these mutilations are done to cover up theft. and that is not a theory that i have read anywhere in getting ready for this live show tonight i read a lot about people just being nasty as some of you have said i've read about cults i've read about how you know some scientists are trying to dismiss it just as cows that are dying and how scavengers go down and start eating the dead animal and everything else but um i've not read anywhere Anything about, could this just be the covering up of cattle theft? And I'm going to explain it to you very quickly. Carrie says, Sheree is our voice of reason. Usually, that's true. Sheree, at least she is my voice of reason on a whole bunch of different topics, for sure. She is invaluable when it comes to that, I'm here to tell you. So here is how I think about it. You know, these cows, as they have stated in these articles... Uh, and other articles are not cheap; they have a value, huge value, six thousand eight thousand dollars, and then, of course, all the money that's put into feeding them and watering them, and if they need any medicine and everything I mean these are investments. you know whether you're into eating meat, you're not into eating meat or whatever else. I'm not here to get into all the morality of that, but we know that these are huge investments, but we also know that. You know these these farms in Texas and elsewhere, even here in Florida, they're huge. People own hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cattle. In addition, you just heard this, read this story recently. There was an explosion in Texas that killed eighteen thousand cattle at once. Remember that? That was just recently. I'm very open to the idea that this is all about theft. Now. What do I mean? Here's the way I think about it. You know, I will tell you now, I realize that each farm, you know, brands its own cattle and everything else, but think about it this way. If you're a smaller farm, you got some cattle. What happens if one of those cattle, right in its prime, right when it's really going to start paying off for you, gets sick? Something happens totally out of your control. You know, cows have genetic issues too. Cows get cancer just like humans. Cows can die early just like humans can die early. You know, 20-year-olds getting cancer and everything else. This happens to cows too. It happens to all animals. We have an expected life, you know, span for humans into our 70s maybe, but we know a lot of people die in their 50s and 40s and 30s. Same way with cows. Maybe they're expected to live 20-some years. But what happens if one gets sick? You've put all this money into it, and right around that time, it gets diagnosed with some disease, and it's incurable. And you get all this money invested in it. Here's what you do if you're an underhanded farmer. What you do is you let the cow die. You take, of course, if you've branded it or something like that, you take all the markings off of it. Of course, all farmers now know about cat, cow mutilations, cattle mutilations, because that's they're in the cow business, and they've heard of this. It's a, like an American thing for the last 50 years. And so the farmer starts thinking, you know what? I can take this dead cow, carve it up, mark it up, and make it look like this is one of those cattle mutilation things. I'll take it over to my neighbor's farm, dump it. Make it look like it's their cattle or their cow and still one of theirs. This is what I think is going on. You get a, you get a brand new cow for free because what is, not, what is mentioned in one of these articles, not in this one, is one of the farmers says, it's amazing how many of these cattles who, cattle are healthy are the ones that die. These healthy cows are not dying. They're being stolen and replaced by a dead sick cow. That's what I think is going on. I know it sounds crazy. I know for me, Mr. you know, Simple Theories when it comes to disappearances and everything else. But we have to remember, farming is big business. And yes, Katie's – or insurance. Yeah, how do we know these farmers aren't just killing their own cattle? Because they're sick. Right. LA or just insurance fraud, claiming the death, unexplained, not even stolen or ripped. That too, LA. That too. We just have to remember there is big – this is big business. Big business. And as we continue to hear all the time, you know, farmers are hurting. We got these conglomerates, you know, taking over the cattle industry, taking over the, you know, what is – what's that – some of these countries – or in some of these big corporations that own all these farms and trying to put smaller farmers out of business and everything. I'm not saying that's not true, but we know. We know these stories are out there. What will desperate people do? I think they'll steal other people's cattle. I mean, cattle stealing has been part of the American story since the 1700s. And it's it's the basis I've never watched the show but, you know, that, that show Yellowstone, isn't that like a huge – wasn't the first episode of it, not to ruin it for everybody, uh, one farmer killing another farmer's cattle like at the beginning of the first the first episode or something? Where do you think these ideas come from? I says takes the dead cow to another pasture, dumps it. That's why there's no blood because the death happens somewhere else. They take the dead cow that already has lost all its blood. Popped it down in somebody else's field, they get another cattle that looks like it onto there. They bring it back to theirs. They mark it up, and nobody can tell the difference. Um, No blood because the cow has been killed elsewhere. No tracks because the the cow is essentially dumped out. And a healthy cow stolen from another part of the pasture. It also helps that so many kooks have pushed these stories. It makes stealing cows even easier. I would compare it to, like, cars. You know, I I know this from my, you know, maybe this is even what put it in my mind. I drive a white Hyundai Sonata, one of the most common cars and one of the most common colors in the United States. It looks like I'm driving a refrigerator. And why do cars have VINs? Why do cars have VINs? Because so they can be identified if stolen. Why? Because all cars pretty much look the same. Unless you're driving a custom painted Ferrari, pretty much all cars look the same. Just in the same color, same wheels, you know, and everything else. Well, this would be no different if we didn't have VINs on cars. If somebody's white hot Sonata down the street went bad... Come up, switch it out with my car. Somehow break into my car, hot wire it, put that car in the place of mine, put my license plate on it, take my fine running car, drive away, leave that car there. I come out to start, you know, to run it. The key won't turn and, you know, what's going on and they find the engine's blown. I think that my car is messed up when really my car got stolen and I don't even know it because there's no VIN to identify it. It's the same thing. It's a theory because, of course, I don't believe in government testing and black holot- helicopters and UFOs and everything else. And dare I say it, I think where these stories have come from are from the people themselves who have been doing this the whole time. What better to throw off everybody by saying, oh, yeah, I saw helicopters over that, over that farm a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah, it must be the government. Well, you know, I saw these strange lights in the sky. That makes more, you know, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I gotta tell you. Uh hey, hey, Sheree, I was just talking about you. We were we were all just talking about you. Um Katie says, wouldn't there be brands on the cows that were stolen? Yeah, they take them off. I mean, where are you gonna, you know, the thing is, Katie, where are you gonna go look? If you think a cow, your one of your cows has been stolen, where are you gonna go look? There's all these different cattle all around. You're going to go count all, you know, look at all one thousand of them. I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that, Jasmine. Yes, you're right about the Yellowstone. I I was right. They, uh, Jasmine, wasn't it that they poisoned the feed or something like that? That's the only episode I've ever watched of it. The first episode. Uh, Ellie says, "I like your theory." Uh, Deborah says, keep track of the cars. Marty, sound like you nailed it. I agree. The theory is very plausible. And farmers can't afford biometrics. Sharice says, sorry about that, Deborah. Your message got held by YouTube and timed out when I finally logged in. It was my fault, nothing wrong with your comment. Art Calvin, it's in DNA, but I doubt they're gonna pay to collect those records. Right. We have to realize, like I said, the story from a couple weeks ago, there was like an explosion somewhere they killed 18,000 cattle 18,000 do you really think if somebody uh believe a cow was one of the, uh, a cow was taken they're going to go through 18 cows looking for their own one of course not of course not but certainly on the other hand somebody who has lost a cow or a few cows due to disease or whatever else take these cows over still somebody else put that one there Nobody knows the difference if you do it right. I mean, they're the experts in cows, not me. So I think it's conceivable. Um, Puma, when it comes to music, except country. I don't do country. Derek, you almost have to leave tracks of some sort because howls are huge. Females 1,600 pounds. Males about 2,400 pounds. To transport an animal of that size and weight would be difficult to move or transport, maybe. But the you have to remember, Derek, these are people who do that. It's not like me rolling up trying to steal a cow. Even though growing up in Pennsylvania, our backyard butted up against the cow pasture where I saw cows every day. I could look out my bedroom window, and about a uh, hundred yards away there were cows. Hello, cows. <laughs> That's where I grew up. But we just have to remember these are people who are in the business of cows. They're used to transporting them. And doing all those things. And so they, you know, no different than piano movers. We all look at a a piano, you know, how are you going to move that grand piano? That looks impossible. And then the experts show up and they show how to do it. And then it's like, that was amazing. Uh, Like I never learned how to hotwire a car. Neither did I, neither have I, LA, neither have I. Although I did learn how to break into both of my Ford Tauruses.  … when I had them because of how many times I locked the keys in the car because the dingers on neither of them worked for some reason. So if you left the keys in the car and opened the the driver's door, there was no bell, and you don't realize how important that bell is until it's not there. Trust me. So that's my calm mutilation theory. had some time to think about it, and Shree, I even told everybody. I I ran it by you. Uh, just to make sure that I wasn't totally, totally insane. Deborah says, I was raised on a dairy farm. It would be tough to move. But Deborah, just imagine, though, if you were motivated. If you thought that it was going to cost you $8,000. I think you'd figure it out a way. I think. Speaking of stealing. Who doesn't like a good gold heist? A container carrying gold and other high-value items worth, worth at least $20 million Canadian, that's $14.8 million U.S., was stolen Monday from Toronto's Pearson Airport. So I think this Monday, when they say Monday, I think this was a week ago. I'm very familiar with this airport. I've never flown into it, but... I can't tell you how many times I've driven by it going uh, to Rice Lake in Canada to go fishing many, 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 many times. Uh, So I'm very familiar with this airport and everything else. Anyway, the cargo arrived in an aircraft early in the evening. Peel Regional Police Inspector Stephen Duestein told reporters on Thursday the container was then unloaded and transported to a holding facility in accordance with the airport's standard procedures for air cargo. Sometime after this, the roughly five-foot-square five, square, five foot square t- container was mo- removed by illegal means and reported missing to the police shortly afterward. The container contained a high-value shipment, ins- the inspector said. It did contain gold but was not exclusive to gold and contained other items of monetary value. Police weren't able to confirm the cargo's final destination, nor if the theft was related to organized crime or professional thieves. They also weren't sure if the gold is still in the country. The inspector emphasized that while this sort of heist is very rare, it is an isolated incident that poses no ongoing threat to public safety. Operations at Pearson would continue to run normally. The GTAA wishes to clarify that thieves accessed the public side of a warehouse that is leased to a third party outside of our primary security line. This did not involve access to Toronto Pearson itself and did not pose a threat to passengers or GTA staff. In 1953, 10 boxes of gold bars were on their way to Montreal. They vanished from Pearson, then Malton Airport, in a heist that was never solved. 80 years later... um, that's only 70 years later. 70 years later, seen uh, Divenstein determined not to let history repeat itself. Our goal right now is to solve this theft. Our team is assembled. They are working diligently on this case. Um, what's everybody saying? That's me. I'm here in Toronto. So LA, you know all about this heist then. Karen, I'm so late I've missed most of the show. Well, we still got 40 minutes to go, Karen. Art, whoever stole that gold could probably pull off the cow switcheroo. There you go. Look at you, Art. Art Vandelay, Look at you. Look at you. Right. It's the same kind of thing. Why can't you know all you know a five by five foot container that's in an airport and everything? How are you going to do that? Somebody figured it out. I don't think there's much doubt that this was an inside job. That's the I, mean, I think anybody maybe could um, say that. But we also have to remember something about gold that makes it different than stealing artwork or even diamonds or things like that. The thing about gold and the reason that when it's stolen, it's hard to find is because it can be easily turned into something else. Gold can be easily melted down. You know, if you have gold bars, they could easily be melted down into little cubes. They could be melted down if somebody's really talented, you know, into jewelry or things like that. That is why gold is so hard to trace. The other thing, as if you ever watched a movie like Goldfinger, which is a a, you know James Bond movie, even though it's sixty years old, that is still an excellent um, movie about gold theft, is that. Gold is one of those quantity quantities or one of those substances that you can buy at cheap one place, and if you can smuggle it to another country, you can get big-time returns on your money, whereas you can't do that with a lot of other substances, and especially considering, once again, that gold with the right facilities can be changed into something else. You know it doesn't have to be gold bars; it could be gold cubes, it could be jewelry or whatever else once again, with the right expertise, the right um furnaces et cetera and you could just take that gold anywhere, not to ruin it for everybody in Goldfinger, but the way uh goldfinger smuggled his gold was he turned it into a car, and so the car you see him driving like for the first half of the movie is actually a gold car it's not a metal car it's not an iron car or a steel car it's actually made out of gold and that is how he was smuggling the gold he turned it into a car when he would get to his destination with the car the car would get melted down i know that's a little extreme but the physics still apply so unlike diamonds which we know are the hardest substance and, of course, if a bunch of diamonds just suddenly appear on the market somewhere, you know, everybody gets suspicious. Whereas with gold, nobody gets suspicious of some new gold rings and things uh, appear somewhere. In addition, you take the gold somewhere else. You take it to some other country where the markets aren't as above board as they might be in Canada or the United States in many countries where gold is… You know, the markets are just a little shaky, and maybe there's a black market for gold and everything else. You could just several times over, uh, you know, increase the value of that gold, just moving it from one country to another. My opinion is that uh, they will be caught. We have to believe that there are cameras and things, even though I know that this is, you know, probably an inside job. My prediction is these people will get caught. We have to remember it's only been a week. The question is whether the gold will be found. Uh, it's, it mentioned this one gold theft. There are some other stories about gold that has been stolen at one time or another. And what usually happens is most of the time the people are caught and the gold is just never found. Just, you know, what are they going to do? Torture the people over gold? Probably not. So we'll keep an eye on this, and you know it it does remind me of a – when did this happen? It happened in California last year. I know I talked about it on this live show of that Brinks truck robbery. Remember the Brinks guys? Maybe it wasn't Brinks. Maybe it was Wells Fargo or something uh, or some other company. They pulled into like a rest stop, and while they were gone, while they went inside, somebody came up and uh, stole everything out of the truck. Remember that? I have to look and see if that was ever resolved. I don't. I don't uh, remember regarding that. I don't remember. So we have this gold heist. Like I said, it's hard for me to imagine that these people will get away with it. But it would not surprise me if the gold's never found. Um, La said it's perfect timing: two stocks and and fiat going down, gold going up. I just sold stocks and bought seven grams of gold last month. L.A. telling us about uh, the business dealings. That's very interesting. I can't argue with any of that. Marty, the gold is probably long gone. You have to figure in a situation like this that it's not just about the stealing, but it's about what they're going to do with it after. And and going back to like the art theft, it's a lot different in art than art. Art is as we now know when art gets stolen like the Boston Gardner museum that got ripped off in the uh, early 90s what usually happens is that the art is used as collateral for you know underworld loans you know it's not like and sometimes they're held for ransom sometimes but a lot of times people who steal this then use it as collateral to get loans Hey, I have this valuable piece of art. Yeah, I know it's stolen, but wouldn't you like to put this in your house, and you know it's valuable and everything? Can I get it? That, you know, We'll trade. You get this piece of art, and you loan me this amount of money. That's what really goes on and has nothing to do with necessarily these people um, being lovers of art or anything. Uh, and there, of course, are fakes out there as well. You know, sometimes these art get stolen and then something, an exact, you know, the the painting shows up somewhere and then you find out that it was a fake. Somebody copied it. Sheree, I love it. And I say run. Shouldn't root for the rule breaker, but sometimes it's cool. Yeah, sometimes, Sheree, sometimes. Moving on, Missy Beavers. Want to talk about this tonight. Uh, we just passed the seven-year mark of her murder probably one of the most um puzzling murders in the last seven years. Uh this as I continue to say that this one this is one of those murders where you think it's going to be solved in a week. And here we are seven years later and everybody's still trying to figure out was that a man or a woman in in, in that uh police riot garb. Nobody knows. I'm just gonna read this article and I do, even though I bring it up every year just about uh, I do have even more to say about it. Seven years ago today, mother of three Terry Missy Beavers was murdered inside Creekside Church of Christ in Midlothian. The country took notice of the case, given eerie surveillance footage showing a suspect clothed in black, body armor, and other strange circumstances surrounding the brutal killing. Years later, police haven't made any arrests yet. Assistant Police Chief Scott Brown says once the community understands, the department doesn't consider the case cold. We remain dedicated to solving the crime and prosecuting the offender. While the lead investigator works as much as possible on the case, our whole investigative team, led by Commander Byron Stewart, spends at least one to two days a month sequestered in a conference room where they can work without interruption on this case. On other occasions, the team meets at the scene of the crime and reassesses the incident. Beaver, who was 45 the night she was killed, arrived at the church to set up for a fitness class she taught. Shortly after a murder, investigators released the surveillance video showing the suspect wearing possible police tactical gear, including a helmet, vest, and gloves. The video only showed the killer walking through the hallways, breaking glass on doors. Police said the suspect didn't steal anything, even Beaver's wedding ring. The killer has an unusual gait, and detectives said they couldn't determine whether the suspect was a man or a woman. Later, the FBI called in forensic podiatrist Dr. Michael Nienberg to study surveillance video of the suspect. Nuremberg said, wearing that type of gear the killer was wearing, carrying a weapon would affect the gait, so it's difficult to know if that's how the suspect moves in regular clothing. And while much was made of the killer or how the killer walked, Nuremberg said, it's not uncommon. Uh, The church surveillance video is not the only video Nuremberg studied either. He said investigators on the case sent him recordings of people walking to see if they thought they moved like the suspect. The FBI sent me persons who were of both genders. I don't know the people they sent me, who they were. I don't believe they knew they were being recorded. Also, aside from the way the suspect walked and how he or she was dressed, what had stood out to Nuremberg is footage that was never made public. He said he saw a video of beavers inside the church before her murder. Nuremberg said she turned her head Appearing to hear something off camera, it was very likely the moment she realized she was not alone. It sticks with you because you know it's coming. We've all watched those horror movies where you say you got to get out of the house, but this was the real thing. Nuremberg wasn't the only expert called in to help the department on the case. Retired federal investigator Greg, uh, Greg Whedon continues after years of working on it. All right, so I guess what we're saying here is There is video of her being murdered. Of course, they would never release that. Um, If she was shot, like we have that surveillance video of this woman who was having that yard sale, remember, and somebody pulled up in a car and shot her, and that murder is still unsolved. I forget the name of uh, the the victim, but that has been shown in surveillance video, but you can understand maybe… Because this was not done with a gun. This was done with, you know, a hammer or whatever else. I mean, just I can't imagine. it. Nobody wants to see that except really, really sick people. But there's obviously video of this killing. Now, I have it in my notes, my perception. Uh, Elizabeth Barraza, thank you, Sheree. That is the woman who was killed setting up for the yard sale that early morning. And somebody pulled up, uh, spoke to her for a few seconds, and shot her. Everyone can look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, LA says, yep, that one still bothers me. It's up there. So uh, Missy Beavers, yeah, Elizabeth Barraza. Okay. My perception, the way I look at this, once again, I realize not a murder guy. But my perception, if they have video of her actually being murdered, it does sound like they do. If it were somebody Missy knew... That this person was there to kill her. And it was just all fake. This person breaks in, makes it look like it was a break-in interrupted, but this person the whole time had planned to harm Missy because this person knew Missy was going to be there. My perception is that there would have been some sort of hesitation, not because in the moment the per the killer thinks, Oh, do I really want to do this? But my perception is somebody who would plan this out. Really has it in for Missy Beavers to get this equipment, to break into this church, walk around it, and do all these things for however long it was. This is really setting something up. is somebody who's thought these things through. This person would want Missy to know this person's identity going through all of that. It wouldn't just be... Keeping the mask down, not saying anything, going over to beat be Missy and beating her up and never – with Missy then never knowing as she was in her dying breath, knowing who did this. My perception is somebody like this, planning this all up, would want Missy to know because it's personal. You ticked me off. You did this. You did that. I'm now getting the best of you. How do you feel about that? There would be some sort of hesitation. There might be a, con- uh, a conversation or – to put it in the Incredibles, the movie lingo, there would be some type of monologuing. It wouldn't be necessarily a minute, wouldn't be 30 seconds, but my perception is that somebody would want Missy to know that, you know what? You know when you ticked me off and you did this and you did that, I told you I was going to get you back, and now here I am. Um, but to me we don't it doesn't sound to me like we have anything like that it doesn't seem like it maybe there is and they but you know it's one of those things that if that is on the video and it is some sort of thing where on video missy turns she sees this figure coming forward toward her and then there's like a few seconds of talking and maybe there's a body language from missy like oh my gosh it's you what are you doing? And then the assault starts. To me, then this disappearance would be very f- easy to figure out because how many people in Missy's life could she have ticked off that much? Not too many. Um, and this is why I continue to believe, and I've been saying this for a while, that I continue to believe this was more likely somebody who hated the church, who had something against the church. Because obviously this is somebody who knew the church. How do I know? You know, the way I think about it is, you know, when you go to a convenience store, there's video cameras inside. You know, when you go to a grocery store, that there are video cameras inside. You know, when you go to the post office, you know, when you go to a government building, you know, when you go to sporting events, on and on and on and on. We are, you know, here in the 21st century, we know those places where video cameras are. I don't know if the average person would suspect that there would be video cameras inside a church. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that that would be a thing that somebody would suspect. Okay, I want to break into this church because I want to steal things or something. That means I'm going to have to put on something to cover my face and everything because there's cameras inside. To me, that this person chose to do this. This person knew that, that that church had cameras, meaning this person was familiar with that church and had been in that church before. That's my reasoning. Um, the other key question I have, once again, going from my notes, is in that video… Does the body language of the killer show surprise when the killer recognizes someone else is in the building? This is, other. I think, the other key part of this. So we have Missy, who's in there preparing, you know, I guess they were doing yoga or something, maybe bringing in her boom box, maybe some mats and some things. And we've already heard what this guy said, that he's seen the video, that you know, she kind of, you know, reacts when she hears something. How does the Killer react when the killer recognizes that somebody is in the building. This would also be a huge way to tell whether this is somebody who knew Missy or not. Did the person just happen to be in the proper part of the building when Missy came in? Or was this killer like way on another part of the church when Missy came in and kind of wandered around and then was like, oh, yeah, somebody's here? This would all all tell us a lot. So what was, what was the interaction between both of them, and what was the killer's reaction when the killer realized somebody was in the building, whether it was a man or woman, whether the person knew it was going to be Missy Beavers or not? This is all very important to try to determine, was this person there to just destroy the church and Missy interrupted it, or was the person there to kill Missy? Um, let me see what everybody's seeing. Got a lot of typing going on here. Uh, Ellen was arrested recently, and people thought more video should have been released earlier. Maybe more video. Uh, Elizabeth Brazza, Deborah, I think it was someone Missy knew because murder is up close and personal. LA agrees with Deborah Angelic and knows she would be there and know the opportunity. At least an FU, but yeah, e- even an FU takes a couple seconds to stay. LA and that car pulling in U turn and went back, track to the church. That's true, that happened. Scarlett, oh, the Missy Beaver's case intrigues me. Rockford, I agree with Ed. Also consider that the car was apparently casing a neighborhood business too. Jennifer says, such a strange case. Scarlett, do we see the killer notice Missy for the first time? We don't know. And that's why I'm saying, does the killer look surprised when the killer realizes that somebody's in the building? This would tell us a lot. Um, Marty, I believe that an individual is familiar with the church. LA, exactly. They need to release a bit more video, even if it's a bit blurred. Um, LA, they haven't even released cause of death, right? No, Scarlet, but, uh, it was blunt force trauma. This was not a shooting. It was not a shooting. I, angelic says, interesting breakaway. They had to have known because she posted that her camp gladiator class she was teaching was super early in the morning. That's true, breakaway. But who would know that? Uh, It's you know, it still could be a coincidence. Somebody happened to be in the church, and Missy showed up. You know, just because it's posted there does not mean that everybody would see it. Bowling with cotton balls—that's funny. Wasn't she killed out in the lawn in the rain? I could be mixing cases. She was not. She was killed inside, inside the church. Uh, What had happened? Bowling is my understanding is that. She usually – she sometimes did have classes outside, but because it was raining or the weather was bad or something, she decided to have the class inside. I think that's how that worked out. Rockford, also, I promise you I don't get a check every time I mention this, but the Aaron Stone or Vinny analysis on Beavers and Liz Braz is very compelling. Check them out if you're into this other case. She was indoors bowling. Okay, thank you, Scarlet Cranky. Hired hitman. They told the hitman the layout of the church, and they got really – Curious and sloppy, why didn't the hitman jump back out the window? He broke through the second time they heard Missy. Don't know. Charlie, I think Missy was targeted just like Elizabeth and very similar to the Jamie Faith murder. They all have similarities. Only one has been solved. Look at the solved one for answers. You know, the only one thing I would say to that Cherie is if somebody really, really, really wanted to make Missy dead, why not just park there in the parking lot, wait till she pulls out and shoot her as soon as she gets out of her car? Because you can never be assured, yes, the person is in body armor or some sort of riot gear, and but there's no guarantee that Missy isn't going to get away. Obviously, at 45 years old, she's running these fitness classes. You know, she's physically able. Who's to say she couldn't have run? I mean, let's just all be honest. The way that person looked in the video walking around with all that garb, Missy surely could have run away. Missy surely, given her fitness level, could have run away from this person, man or woman, just because of the the stuff that the person was wearing. Would a killer really want to take that chance wearing all that stuff and just gamble that, you know what, things are just going to go right, and I'm going to surprise her just at the right moment, and she's not going to be able to get away? That's taken quite a bit of a chance to me if you really, really, really want to kill somebody. Whereas in the Barraza situation, I mean it's very straightforward. The car pulls up, somebody gets out of the car, goes right up to her in her own yard and shoots her. That is considerably different in my mind to somebody who plans something out to break into a church, hang out, break things for like 20 minutes or however long it was, and wait for Missy to show up. There are so many things that could go wrong. Whereas when you just pull up in somebody's front yard and shoot, how much can go wrong? Not much, not much. Just the way I think about it. Uh, not to rebut anyone, but if targeted, then why is that car driving around for all the cameras in the area to see? It almost has to be the killer's car, by the way, Scarlett. Thanks for confirmation on the cause of death. That's just also sad. Yeah, Scarlett. They've never um, they would never show that video and everything. You know, even if you go on YouTube for like shoot you know killings and self-defense issues they'll show shootings but anything else you know is, is just not going to happen um but they said it was blunt force trauma it was some some sort of blunt object or you know it doesn't sound like it was a knife it was a hammer it was a you know something like that and you can see the person using some tools in the video um LA, yeah, even in Daybell, allegedly Alex missed Tammy and Brandon Boudreau. Okay, so that still continues to be my analysis. I continue lean to lean toward the idea that this was not targeted. That Missy was in the wrong place at the wrong time, simply because I can't I can't believe anybody would sit down and figure out this is the way they wanted to kill somebody. It just doesn't seem, you know, you really want to do it, so you keep it as simple as possible. This does not seem simple. It seems like it's a a plan, all you know, with all sorts of things that could go wrong, including getting, you know, most importantly, getting caught. You know, my insight. And Scarlett said, and she was so small, Marty. I believe it's a robbery gone wrong. The way the person was walking, they seemed like they didn't seem nervous at all, as if they knew. No one would be there at that point. That's true. You could look at it that way, Marty. Marty, I think Missy caught them off guard. Like I said, we would uh, we would be able to determine all of this very very quickly if they were to release. If there was any hesitation between Missy and the killer, if the killer looked like was saying something to Missy, or if the killer had some sort of surprise or something. Um. You know, when noticing that someone was in, in the church besides the killer. We, that Just those two things would tell us so much. Unfortunately, <laughs> these are the things the police don't tell us, and it, it's very exasperating. All right. Uh, what do I want to go to next? 15 minutes. Just want to go through a few more um, unfound things. Um, the next found episode is now out for Patreon supporters. And for all of you YouTube supporters, if Elizabeth Smart's disappearance and discovery interests you, and I think you could, should consider becoming a supporter. Please, please consider. It's a, it's a good one. Um, what I did was I went back through some articles, uh, just like I did with Brandon Lawson's. I go over some articles that were written when Elizabeth went missing. I go over some articles that were written while she was missing, and then I read some articles that came out after she was discovered. And I go through um, why did she go missing? Why was she missing for that long? Why was she discovered alive? And then I go through all the contributing factors. And uh, like I said, I kind of go through it like the NTSB does looking at plane crashes. So, please consider becoming uh, a member and you get to read those. Those are not going to be made public. Unlike the unfound nows, which eventually get made public, these are not going to be made public. These are for Patreon people, supporters, and unfound or YouTube members only. And if some of these disappearances that are solved are interesting to you, I hope that you will consider joining. To to, uh, get all of them, it's just $5 a month, but you get a lot of other stuff too, 5 bucks a month. That's it. That's it. So Elizabeth Smart is this month's, and as I think I've already said, I have the rest of the year all planned out. Uh, Disappearances that occurred, and then they were solved. Uh, You know, well-known ones, and uh, it's been interesting so far with Brandon Lawson and Elizabeth Smart to – you know, look at the stories that were written at the time they went missing and then how things were covered while they were missing. Because this is my job. It's just fascinating. And so I'm hoping that you find it all fascinating uh, as well. Uh, MT says, Found is a great series. Thank you, MT. A Coffee Lover says, I love the Elizabeth Forrest Found case analyzation. Marty says, yes, Found is fantastic. Angelic, is it another YouTube channel? Uh, no uh, it's right on this youtube channel angelic and since you have a green um since you have a green uh, name it's it's on here it's on here all you have to do is find it it's on here right now you certainly have access if you look at your community um, button you will find it because I put the link for all. Uh, members look in your like messages community that you get from this channel alerts uh coffee elizabeth smart's mother lois lost her father and left the window in the kitchen up yeah lisa remember five dollars is like one dollar last year that's funny lisa deborah brandon lawson case has always fascinated me well deborah i hope you got to that's once again it's on right here on this youtube channel as well coffee brian david mitchell came in through the window yeah he did so the newest found episode is is um, out, and please consider it you're seeing all these people complimenting it, uh, giving it compliments, so so many people cannot be wrong so angelic um you know, look for that it's right here on this channel. it's unlisted, so the regular public can't find it if you can't find it. Email me or message me or something, and uh, we'll see what we can do about that. Uh, Unfound now, of course, it's getting toward the end of the month. So for all those same people, the newest unfound now is out as well. And I'm not going to reveal the identity of the missing person. Of course, all those people who have already gotten it know what I talked about. But we're going international for this unfound now. It seems to be like a common – uh story recently went to New Zealand. We just went to Wales, and now we 're going international for an episode of Unfound Now. How about that? I will also say that it 's a very, very controversial topic, but I had to talk about it uh Lois got distracted, forgot how to close the window. Thank you, coffee. Coffee is going through some of the details of elizabeth smart 's kidnapping. So Unfound Now is out, Found is out, Unfound Now is out. Like I said, I've been busy. (laughs) I play disc golf, I go to trivia, and everything else is working on Unfound stuff. So I hope you will all take part, watch, listen, all of those members. And all of you who aren't, come on, get with the program. All right, moving on. One more thing. I want to talk about, let's see what we got here. UFOs. Of course I do. Um, the Pentagon released a video of a reported fly- UFO flying at a high rate of speed in the vicinity of Air Force, of an Air Force MQ-9 Reaper drones that showed some really interesting things that everyone thought was truly anomalous. The object flew over South Asia earlier this year and appeared to have a propulsion trail, but it was later deemed to be a sensor artifact. Dr. Sean Kilpatrick explained in this video is out there if you want to see it. It was the second of two videos that the director of the all-domain anomaly resolution office showed lawmakers during the Senate Armed Service Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Capabilities hearing on April 19th. The first was an unresolved UAP unidentified anomalous phenomenon which is the government-created word for UFO in an active conflict zone in the Middle East in 2022. Why am I showing this you? This Kilpatrick told lawmakers, this is the kind of data we have to work with and the type of analysis we have to do, which can be extensive when you have to pull these apart frame by frame. Further, we're now matching all of this with models of those imaging sensors so that I can recreate this. I can actually show how the sensor is going to respond. Kirkpatrick showed an infographic during his presentation with information about the 2023 UFO sighting in South Asia that he said is resolved. Kirkpatrick showed an infographic during his presentation with information about the 2020 – okay. As they are attached to a national security area, does it show some anomalous phenomenology that is of interest, he said. If it's just a spherical thing that's just floating around with the wind and has no payload, that's less important than something with a payload on it. And that's less important than something that's maneuvering. An in-depth report about UFO reportings is expected to be released sometime this summer, possibly in July. Kirkpatrick said he opened his presentation by saying there's no definitive evidence of extraterrestrial technology or alien life. But the number of UAP reports has increased over the a few years as the stigma associated with UAP slowly wears off. And as the government ramps up its efforts to address potential safety risks associated with unexplained objects in the sky. Last week's public hearing was only the second one in the last 50 years in which lawmakers have openly discussed UFOs. The first was last May. Kirkpatrick said there needs to be more information and data funneled to the AARRO if the department hopes to close unresolved cases. We're working with the joint staff. To issue guidance to all the services and commands that will then establish what are the reporting requirements, timeliness, and all the data that is required to be delivered to us and retained from all the associated sensors. Um, and then they have this this quote from, um, you know, this documentary filmmaker that's doing all this. As you would expect, I don't believe any of this. Um. You know, I continue to be amazed by one, uh, one overriding huge problem with all of this. This is even going back to this these videos that were taken years ago by these fighter pilots in their jets. These are military people, whether they're flying their own planes or they're flying drones, and their job is to protect other people yet in all of these circumstances none of them decided that any of this stuff was dangerous moreover none of them decided that this any of this stuff needed to be followed none of them you know reported this and in fact in that video where it shows that little white pill or whatever they called it streaking along these guys were laughing at it that's how serious all of this is um you know, they're right there. You know, these things are seen at the time, but these people who are supposed to be looking out for that particular area don't do anything but think about it. That tells me there's a lot of hype that is going into this. There's something going on here where some people are making much more of a deal about this than should be. Now, we can understand it. This is just somebody with a camera phone out somewhere and sees something. Yeah, what are they going to (laughs) do? You know, they're just, you know, they're out on a vacation somewhere and they see something off in the distance. They get there, you know. It's not like they can follow it. I mean, what are they going to do? Call 911. You know, I don't know. You know, I will tell you, you know, just with all this, you know, there's, you know, aircraft and Coast Guard planes and helicopters and everything all the time out here uh, off the balcony and everything else. So we understand why the average person wouldn't do anything about this, but it's hard to understand why these people, whose job it is to protect people, just aren't phased by any of this. That should tell you something. It really should. Um, uh, God, yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, News Nation just interviewed Evie Loeb, professor, Harvard, pro-alien. Yeah, okay, I know who he is. Yeah, L.A. I just, uh technology your thoughts my thoughts is uh av knows a camera and a microphone when he sees it that's my attitude toward him military agenda for funding following the money taxes very well could be but i think all of these things can easily been explained the big thing most recently within the last couple of weeks was this black orb can not everybody just tell that that's a balloon you know, you. Sh- this is, you know, how most people don't understand like views and everything. We have to remember the camera is moving. You can't tell, but the camera is moving. It's no different when you're an airliner at 35,000 feet. You look down at the ground. It doesn't look like you're moving at all. It looks like you're moving very or very, very, very slow. You're going 500 some miles an hour. Well, what happens if between where you are at 35,000 feet in the ground, there is an object at like 10,000 feet that is just stationary. You know what it looks like? It looks like that thing is moving like 200 miles an hour. Because you feel like you're sitting still, but you're not. You're flying at 500 miles an hour. And then suddenly something appears there, and it looks like it's flying just as fast. It's not. It's you that's moving, not the object. This is what why people get so caught up in all of these things. This is how angles and, and everything work. So I'm just unfazed by all of it. But I, I think the problem is people who believe in these things, they so love the attention because why? Because they've been blown off for so long that they get a little bit of attention and then it's just, you know, they just can't help themselves. They just can't help themselves. And they have n- they have no desire to be objective. Um, what about the report old like from Admiral Byrd uh, or Philip Corso? Uh, you'd have to be more specific on those LA uh, for me to uh, comment on them. But I, I all I will tell you is, granted, I'm a skeptic, but I do read a lot about it. I do. I don't. You know, stay away from things that I, you know, don't agree with or I think are crazy. Uh, I, you know, I want to read into it and see what people are saying now. And I'm completely unfazed by all of this. I think this is all hype. I think that these people know, uh, love the attention. Why? Because they're human. That's why. Um. But most of all, I look at the people whose job it is to protect this country who have had run-ins with these things, and they laugh at it, and they don't take it seriously. And they're running these drones, and there's these allegedly mysterious things flying in front of their cameras, and they're just letting it go. That tells me something more than I'm going to take from some alleged UFO expert. You can't be an expert in something that doesn't exist. You can be an expert in disappearances because they exist. How can you be an expert in UFOs? There's no proof they exist. Think about that. Um, I believe I was taken. Uh, were you, Deborah? Well, I'm glad they brought you back, Deborah. Angelic, exactly. I always think moon moving so fast when driving, been in the same spot. I've been waiting to beam up out of here since 1972. Maybe it'll be like Star Trek IV, Angelic, like your homework. The famous crop circles next week, I know about the crop circles. Those were proven to be a hoax too. All right. This Friday, as I think I've already mentioned, update episode, if you can believe it, nineteen uh, number 14. It's crazy. Number 14. All I can tell you, I'm just going to warn you right now. It's going to be a long one. Got a lot to talk about. I mean, I think we've had five people discovered. I just found out about one today five people discovered since the beginning of january so that alone is going to cause the episode to be long but i got a lot of other things and a lot of other disappearances to talk about it's going to be a long one but i know how much you like these update episodes so the you know and i enjoy doing them so there you go and of course uh the, the names i read off at the end that list keeps getting longer too so it all contributes but update episode number 14 this Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you people who are Patreon members and YouTube members, you will get yours a day early. One more reason for the rest of you had to sign up, start supporting this podcast, this channel, and everything we do here. So uh, that's it. You're welcome, Lisa. It was. A, I, I agree, Lisa. This was a great live video show tonight. It was spectacular. I agree. Really, 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 really agree. So that's all I have. Thank you so much for giving uh, Unfound, this channel, a bit of your Monday night. For all of you who are listening to this podcast, thank you for listening. And you will hear me all by myself this coming Friday for update episode number 14. I have a ton to talk about. A lot of things going on with so many of Unfound's cases. Keep your head on a swivel. Good night. Say hi to the boys uh, uh, for me, Charlie. See ya.